Hey everybody, it's Chris. Welcome or welcome back to the Beyond Church podcast. Hey, at the end of this conversation, would you head to our socials at Beyond Church AU, either on Instagram or Facebook and give us a follow. That's the easiest way to share this content with a friend who might find it helpful. And while you're at it, you can click the link in our description to sign up to our email newsletter. That's the easiest way to stay up to date on everything that's going on around here at Beyond. But in the meantime, I hope this following conversation inspires you to take your next step on your faith journey. Enjoy. I'm at a running club with my friends and they've got new running shoes or they've got new like running shorts. I'm like, well, I, now I need those in, in my life. Or I see that new piece of tech that someone's like wearing at the coffee shop. I'm like, well, I, I've got to have that now. And so I wonder what I would have if like I had no idea what else is going on in anyone else's life, right? And because, you know, it's hard for you to relate because you're not like that at all, I just, I just want to give you like one little practical example from my life. Um, I know it's um, like, so I, I camp, um, you know, not hardcore, right? Let's not get it there. Like I have a man bun and I know it's rugged and you're probably thinking like, wow, he's such a great outdoorsman with that man bun. Uh, I'm not, okay? But I, like, I camp with, with my mates like three or four times maybe on a good year, okay? And again, like... There's no chopping wood or anything like that. Like we, we go and we roll our swags out for one night, okay? And we'd done it for like a little while. And so I thought to myself, you know what I need? <clears throat> I need a swag. And so I bought a swag. Um, the swag works perfectly fine, does the job, except that the middle pole is broken. Um, I don't really care enough to replace it. I kind of haven't been bothered. And also, there is a national swag pole shortage in Australia, thanks to COVID. No, that's, that's a legit thing. Like, you can Google that. Um, and so even if I wanted to, I couldn't replace the middle pole. And one of my mates has, um, he's got like a couple of swags. He's like a legit outdoorsman, you know, does outdoor stuff. I don't even know. See, I don't even know what outdoor stuff is because I'm so not outdoorsy. But he has like one of those swags that's kind of like a tent. It's like so big. And so he got like one of those swags. And so he's like, hey man, I've got a leftover swag. Um, if you want it, I'm not ever going to use it again. So you can just kind of keep it. It'll be yours. I was like, great. Um, now I've got a broken swag and, and my own swag that my friend doesn't need back. But when we we're out, he was like, he kind of like sent me this, oh, I was sorry, talking to him while we were camping. And I was like, hey man, that's like a really cool swag. Like I like it. And we just talking about it. And then uh, a few weeks ago to like a group chat we have, he like sent like a swag. And it wasn't the one he had, but it was bigger than mine. He's like, hey guys, super good deal. Chris, you should consider getting this swag. And in that moment, I started to think to myself, you know, you know what? Like I should, yeah, you know what? I, I, I do have two perfectly good swags at home, but I could use a little bit more room. I could use a little bit more space to like spread out, like when I'm roughing it and being tough, like maybe I should. And, um, and so I got to the point where I was nearly about to put it into my, into my cart. And I don't know, for those of you who are dating or married or have a partner, I don't know if, um, if you guys have with your partner like those, those looks that you don't need words to talk about. You know, it's like the look where it's like, I shouldn't have said that. And it's like, Ooh. Or the look where it's like, you're in trouble. Or the look where it's like, we need to leave this awkward situation now. Um, <clears throat> but... My, my wife, Emma, and I, we, she, she has like a series of looks. And, uh, and so I, I went to her and I was kind of like, I had my swag acquisition proposal that I was going to present to her. And I, I pretty much presented the swag acquisition proposal to her. I thought it went pretty well. And I was like, so what do you reckon? She just gave me the look. And I was like, you know what? No, you're, I, it's, it is probably an unwise idea to buy another swag when I have two perfectly good ones um, outside. So I didn't end up um, buying the swag, but it kind of made me think as well is um, <clears throat> I wonder how much money I would have saved if I wasn't aware of all the things people spend it on, right? Like I started to think back across my life and I was like, oh, I wonder when the times when Emma wasn't there to give me the look or when like I just didn't have self-control and I just bought it. 
how much money would I have saved if I wasn't aware of the shoes you have and, you know, the tech you have and the books that you read and, and all that sort of stuff. And again, right, I'm trying to explain this because you are, you are probably not like this at all. Um, but here's the conclusion that I've come to about this scenario. Is my conclusion is simply this. Like, I know too much, right? The reason why I spend too much is because I know too much. Like, I know too much about you and the things that you like. And I know too much about like you and where you go on holidays. And I know too much about where you like to go out to eat. And so I want to go out and eat there too. And because I know too much, I, like, I don't know what it is, but I have this need inside of me that's like never fully and never finally satisfied. And I just want a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I just think, hey, if I could just get that next thing, then, then it'll be all good. And this thing, this thing inside of me, if it's not kept in check, it, it can drive me or it has the potential to drive me to into some really dangerous places financially. And so I've just kind of come to the conclusion that I think I need counselling on that. Um, <clears throat> and if you're wondering, like, why would he start a conversation by, like, telling us that he needs counselling? It's like a group therapy session. I promise I'll explain it to you, because we're actually wrapping up a series, as Lockie said, um, called Guardrails. And if you, you have no idea about guardrails, when it, when it comes to vehicles and cars, guardrails are a system designed to keep vehicles from straying into dangerous or off-limit areas. And, uh, and all throughout this series, we said, hey, the road, though, isn't the only place that you and I need guardrails in our life, right? We, we all need guardrails in different areas of our lives because guardrails are actually designed to minimize damage, okay? It is no good, like, heading into a bad, uh, like, into a bad place on your car and then fall, driving off a bridge and then hitting a guardrail as you're plummeting to your death. It's not helpful. And so we said, you know, we need some, some um, guardrails in our lives to help us minimize um, you know, damage in certain areas of our life. And so in part one of this series, I kind of um, gave you or tried to help you identify some areas you might want to put some guardrails in. Uh, and then in part two, Riley was here and he looked at some guardrails that you might want to put up around your heart. Uh, and then last week, Alison was here and she looked at some guardrails that you might want to set up when it comes to friends and relationships. And, um, and today, oh, sorry, not today, I'm not going to tell you what we're talking about yet, but if that kind of um, sparked your interest or you want to go back and listen to it, here's what you can do. You can head to our website, um, beyondchurch.com.au forward slash guardrails uh, and you'll be able to get, we've got conversation guides up there so you can talk about it, you know, if you've got flatmates or if you've um, got your connect group, you can talk about it. You can listen to part one and two. You'll be able to listen to this part um, again later in the week when it goes up. You won't be able to listen to part three though. For those of you who were here last week and you're like, why were they on the floor? It's because because of the election, we had uh, actually had no access to our speakers up here, and so uh, we couldn't record, we weren't running off an iPad, and so we didn't catch Alison's message, unfortunately. So um, we'll just have to get Alison back again sometime. But today, as we, or tonight really, as we wrap this series up, I want to I talk about some financial guardrails that we have. Now, if you are not a Jesus follower in the room, I just want you to take a big, deep breath, and I want to let you know something up front, that, that I do not, and it is not my intention to get you to do something that you do not want to do, okay? And, and I know you already know this if you're not a Jesus follower, but I just want to state it for the record that I know this as well, is that um, Jesus has absolutely no authority over your life at all whatsoever, which means that everything I talk about tonight when it comes to financial guardrails is optional for you. Like, I think some of the stuff Jesus talks about is really helpful, I think it's really, really helpful for you and, um, and, and your finances. But here's the deal. You get to pick and choose what, if anything, you'll apply to your life because you haven't signed up to follow Jesus. So I just want to get that out there right off the bat. Um, if you're a Jesus follower, though, it's too late for you, okay? You've already signed up for this. Okay, you have to do, you have to do this. But here's the good news if you're a Jesus follower. I don't know if it's good news. 
it's news. Here's the news for you if you're a Jesus follower, is that the majority of Jesus followers do not live the way that we're going to talk about tonight. The majority of Jesus followers do not take Jesus' advice or Jesus' teachings when it comes to financial guardrails. Now, that puts you in the majority, but it might not be a good thing after all. And so, um, I know, I don't want to sound patronizing if you're a Jesus follower, but I do kind of think it wor- it, it's worth stating, right, that this. The whole point of following Jesus, if you're a Jesus follower, is to follow Jesus, right? If, if you're a Jesus follower, then the way you go about your life should be like, hey, I've got this tension in my workplace. How would Jesus want me to respond to that? Hey, I've got this conflict relationally going on. How would Jesus have me respond to this? Hey, ha- how would Jesus have me best use my time and then you, you, um, you live out the way that Jesus would have you best use your time. And, and trust me, I get it, right? I get it, I get it, I get it. That people like me have done a terrible, terrible job in church world about like talking about money and talking about finance. But here's what you need to know, right? Here's what you need to know if you are a Jesus follower. When it comes to financial guardrails, this is a following Jesus issue. This is not a money issue. This is a following Jesus issue. So if you're a Jesus follower tonight, you should be sitting up straight. You should have your phone out. You should be taking notes because this is a following Jesus issue. Now, before we kind of move into um, talking about financial guardrails and stuff, here's, here's something um, that you might find interesting. In my line of work, okay, um, so being a pastor, um, Oftentimes, people will pick up the phone or they'll shoot me a message and they'll want to chat. And they always want to chat when things are not going well, right? No one, like, picks me up and picks up the phone and be like, Chris, just need to tell you, I had an absolutely ripping weekend, okay? The Broncos came back from, like, 20 points down. It was awesome, man. Like, no one calls, calls me up to tell me that. Um, it'd be cool if you did. Um, but oftentimes, people will be like, hey, we need to chat. And it's always about, like, some regret or some shame or something in their life that's not going the way they want. And... I would say that over 95% of the conversations I have with people, when you trace their challenges back, over 95% of people, it can be linked to one of two things, sex or money. Sex or money. And what is so interesting, particularly if you're a Jesus follower, right, is these are the two teachings of Jesus that are most ignored by Jesus followers. These are the two areas of Jesus' teachings where Jesus followers look at and they're like, ah, yeah, I love what Jesus says about forgiveness. I love what Jesus says about serving other people. I love what Jesus says about love. But when it comes to sex and when it comes to money, like, oh, I, I don't really know. And then those of you who really know your Bible, you're really smart. You just go like, come on, Chris. Like, Jesus was single and broke. Like, what would he know about either of these two things? And so, you know, we, we, kind, of, we kind of pull ourselves back and we, we kind of get ourselves into these challenges. And if you're not a Jesus follower that maybe what you've heard someone say, or maybe what you, because of your experience, your position has come to be on these two topics, is you think one of these two things, is that the church is against sex, church is against sex, and the church just wants your money. Church is against sex, and it just wants your money. Here's j- just what you need to know, okay? The church is not against sex, right? Any church that teaches about the teachings of Jesus should teach about sex, because God is not against sex. In fact, if you think about this, if God exists, what it means is there was a point in history where sex did not exist. And then God was kind of like up in heaven and he's looking down and he's just like says to the angels, he's like, oh, I got an idea. I'm like, what is it? It's like, you won't understand. And then we had sex, right? So God is not anti-sex. God created sex. And when it comes to the idea that the church just wants your money, well, the church shouldn't just want your money. 
Because God doesn't want your money, and, and Jesus never wants your money. In fact, just, just think about this for a moment. If God has to have your money, that's, that's a very, very tiny God. If it's a God that needs your money to operate and function. And on the Christian worldview of God, God is the God that created the universe. So if God created the universe, He most certainly doesn't need your money because He created the stuff your money is made out of and that my money is made out of anyway. So the church is any church that um, is teaching the teachings of Jesus, they're going to talk about sex and they're also going to talk about money. But here's what you need to know as we talk about financial guardrails. Um, This conversation um, and what Jesus taught about financial guardrails is not about like, hey, here's how you like avoid debt, although it's good to avoid debt, okay? Um, Here's how, you know, you pay off your loans, you pay off your hex debt, pay off your mortgage, pay off the car, pay off that overseas trip. Uh, Jesus, you know, Jesus had some helpful things to say, but that's not what Jesus is talking about when it comes to financial guardrails. In fact, I'm just going to let Jesus explain what what he has to because he's way smarter than me. Um, But he's he's talking to a crowd because crowds would follow Jesus everywhere that he went. And Jesus kind of explains financial guardrails in this way. He says, no one can serve two masters. And to which you probably think the same thing that the people in the crowd thought. They're like, well, I don't serve one master, like, let alone two Jesus. Like, I, like I'm my own boss. No one, no one is the master of me. And Jesus goes on. He says, either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And you're probably sitting there and you're like, okay, Jesus, you're not really getting the point, okay? I don't, I don't serve a master. I don't serve any masters, so you're not, you're not hearing what I'm saying. But here's, here's the brilliance of what Jesus is saying. If we go back to that first line he said, no one can serve two masters. This little word here that, that Jesus used, you know, we, you know, you might think of it as like master or boss or something, but, but Jesus said, um, no one can serve two things that possess them, two things that control them. So what Jesus is saying here is, is this doesn't have to be a person. This doesn't have to be a person. This could just be a thing or a someone that possesses or controls you or that you always have to filter your decisions through. And I get it that you're probably like, you're still there. You're like, Chris, here's the deal though. No one and no thing owns me, right? There's, there's not a person and there's not a thing that owns me. <clears throat> but let's just say we were to play along with Jesus's game, right? Let, let's just say we were to play along and we would be like, okay, Jesus, if I'm going to play along with your game, no one can serve two masters, I get where you're probably going. Because where you're, where you're going to go, Jesus, is what you're going to do is you're going to say, hey, no one can serve both God and the devil, right? Because there's a good guy, there's got to be a bad guy. So you're the good guy, there, there must be a bad guy. No one can serve both God and the devil. And I imagine Jesus has this little like grin on his face and he's like, you're this close. Jesus says, no, actually what I was going to say is no one can serve both God and money. And this, this little word that Jesus would have used for money, because Jesus didn't speak in English, he spoke in Greek or Aramaic, is the word stuff. No one can serve both God and their stuff. Which means that the big challenge for Jesus followers is that for Jesus followers, the primary issue regarding money is mastery. It's mastery. Right, because because think about this. See, Jesus knew this that like ninety, you know, ninety nine percent of people, the vast majority of people, if they had a choice, and it was like, hey, do you want to do the good thing? Do you want to do the loving thing? Do you want to try and look out for other people, or do you want to spend your whole life manipulating, conniving, trying to figure out how to bring people down and destroy people's reputation? Most people are going to be like, well, you know, like actually, no, I kind of I kind of want to be in this camp over here. 
I kind of want to be in the loving camp. I kind of want to be in the acceptance camp. But Jesus, so Jesus knew that's, that's not the issue. But when it's like, ah, oh, do you want to like maybe take off one of your subscriptions? It's like, oh, that's to help other people. Oh, I don't know if I want to do that. Hey, do you want to maybe like, you know, share some of your stuff with other people? Oh, I don't, I don't know if I want to, I don't want to know if I want to do that because like it's my stuff, right? It's my stuff. I earned it. I should be able to use it. And so the, the question that Jesus is trying to get us to wonder about our finances is, is the same question that Jesus wonders about our finances. Maybe you never thought about it, but Jesus, Jesus wonders about your finances. He wonders about every part of you. But the thing that he wonders about your finances is this, is do we have money or does our money have us? You know, do, do you just have money? Is it something that you like, you acquire or does it control you? Do you have to take jobs in order to pay off debts? And you have to constantly be thinking about, oh, do I have the money? Do I have the money? Do I have the money. And so so this is what Jesus is driving at with this kind of idea that without financial guardrails, we veer off the cliff of consumption or into the wall of hoarding. Now, because some of you are visual learners, I get it, you're like, cliff of consumption or wall of hoarding. So here's, I got a a picture to kind of help, help those of you who are visual learners. For a lot of us, if we're in our car and we're driving down this road when it comes to finances, our big goal is, hey, don't drive off the cliff of consumption, right? Don't get into more debt. You know, don't uh, take out loans that we can't pay, right? Stop using afterpay. And we, we're just so focused on moving off that cl- cliff of consumption that we forget that there's actually another part that can cause us danger on this road, right? And it's the wall of hoarding. Because the wall of hoarding, actually, you can crash into it because hoarding is the, is the exact same thing. Maybe you've never thought about this, but um, over-consuming and hoarding are driven by the exact same thing. And what they're driven by is greed. Because over-consuming says, I've got to have, I've got to have, I've got to have, I've got to have, so everyone will view me a particular way. But hoarding also says, I've got to keep so that I can be safe. I've got to hold on to this so that I can be safe. I've got to hold on to this so that I have control. And they're both driven by this thing called greed, which just says, I've just got to have what I want, when I want, how I want it. And if you've, you've been around beyond any, any length of time, you've probably heard me um, define greed, but I like, I like simple definitions because I'm a simple guy and I need to remember things. And so the way I've defined greed is this, is that it's the assumption that it's all for my consumption. Like, greed, greed is this assumption that, like, hey, I, I have a paycheck, and, and when your paycheck comes in, you know, you get it, and you earned it, and so it's all yours, and so you get to spend it however you want to spend it, um, and so you're going to spend it however you want to spend it. Now, here's what you need to know if you're a Jesus follower. If you are a Jesus follower, and you live this way, and you think this way, hey, it's all mine, I'm going to use it, it's all for my consumption, here's what you need to know. Although you might not believe it, you are behaving as if there is no eternity. Because if you live as if it's all for your consumption now, effectively what you're saying is, there is no life beyond this life. There is no relationships that matter beyond this world. There is nothing that is worth investing into apart from the things that I want right here, right now, and meet my needs. And for so many of us, Jesus follower or not, this is the way we live our lives. You know, the money comes in, and we have our money bucket and we just go, you know what, I need to pay off the car loan and then the phone bills and then the internet bills and then the subscription and then I need to go out with some friends and I need to have dinner and, you know, uni bills and that laptop and whatever it may be. And then if I have a really good month, there might be some things left over and I can, I can save, right? And I can, I can throw some things in the saving bucket. Look at me, I'm being a good saver, I'm saving for the rainy day. And then finally... 
if there's, if there's anything left over and I'm being super generous, then I might give it. And again, like, I'm just, this is just Jesus followers. And Jesus followers, we, you love to do this, right? We love to do this, okay? We're like, hey, look at me giving. Look at how generous I am. God, you're checking me. God, look. God, look at how much I'm doing. And now I'm going to give some away. And aren't I such a good person because I gave a little bit away? But if someone was to look and unpack your finances, they might not see a very generous person at all. And just in case you're like, oh, Chris, you know, that's not me, and I'm not sure about this. Here's, here's what I want you to know. Specific, especially if you're a Jesus follower. If you're a Jesus follower, just pay attention for a second if you've been zoning out. The ANZ Bank, just at the start of this month, they released some research on um, Aussie spending habits. And here's what they, they discovered, that the average Australian spends $3,172 per year on things they don't want and don't need, what they call meaningless spending. If you're a millennial, that figure jumps to over $4,000 a year that we would spend, because I'm a millennial, that we would spend on meaningless things that we don't want or need. Here's where it gets worse, okay? If, if, um, just if you're anyone, but especially Jesus followers, pay attention. 80% of Australians do not know what's coming into their account, what's going out of their account, what their bills are. 80% of Australians have no idea where their money is going in their accounts. Now, here's why this is important if you're a Jesus follower. Because if you live this way, eventually you will get into financial trouble. If you live this way, like the majority of Australians, according to ANZ, do, there will be a point in time where you get in such a financial bind that what you're going to do is you're going to do what most Jesus followers do and they get in trouble. You're going to pray to God. And there's nothing wrong with that, okay? There is nothing wrong with praying to God when you find yourself in a tough situation. But here's what, here's what I would say if you're a Jesus follower. Why would you not invite God into your finances before that point? Why would you not invite God in before that moment where you got into that financial challenge? Why would you not invite God in and say, hey God, how would you like me to arrange and live out my finances before, you, before I ever get to a point where I have to pray out of desperation to you? Effectively, the question you might ask you if you're a Jesus follower is this, how do I ensure I master my money instead of being mastered by it? Because that data that the ANZ showed, that, that to me is not a group of Australians that are mastering their money. To me, that's, that's, just, that's indicative of a group of Australians who are not mastering their money very well at all, but are in fact being mastered by it. The good news is, is that Jesus tells us how we can begin to master our money. Again, only applies to you if you're a Jesus follower. He says this, so do not worry, easier said than done, Jesus. Do not worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? Because this was a big deal in the first century, right? You've got to remember, they didn't have refrigeration in the first century. So meat would spoil really, really quickly. Food would spoil really, really quickly. Oftentimes, they didn't have enough food beyond like a 72-hour window. If they had grain and some stuff, they might be able to scrape by and survive. So this was a big deal. What will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? And now, the next thing Jesus says might seem a little offensive, but just put your offense on hold and I'll explain it to you. He says this, those things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Now, this sounds offensive, but I promise it's not, because Jesus is not talking to people who don't believe in God, right? Because in the first century, pretty much everyone believed in God. There was Greek gods and Roman gods. Most people believed in multiple gods. What Jesus is saying here is, hey, these things dominate the way that people who believe in the Greek and Roman gods behaved. 
Because the way that people who believed in the Greek and Roman gods had to behave was, it was kind of like they went and they had to offer something to the gods. And it was like, hey, if I offer this to this god, I hope they'll look down on me well. I hope they'll show favor on me well. I hope, you know, if I do something nice for them, they'll do something nice for me. And Jesus goes, hey, that's, that's not the way it is with God. That's not the way it is with God. In fact, he says, he says, but your heavenly father knows all your needs. Could you imagine if you lived your life this way? Could you imagine if, you, if you're a Jesus follower, if you lived your life this way, knowing that God actually already knows all of your needs, all the things that you want, all the things that you hope for, all the things that you dream about, and God actually wants to fulfill your needs to the deepest part of your being. Jesus goes, here's how you actually live that way. Seek first. In other words, like reorder, reprioritize, reposition. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And, and we kind of like, we don't really live in a kingdom, and so a lot of us like have no idea what that means. So, so let me explain what Jesus is getting at here. What Jesus is saying is, hey, when you become a Jesus follower, you enter into the Jesus way of living. And here's a newsflash, and, and, and it might be the very thing that if you're not a Jesus follower, like you resist and you push back, and I totally get it. But when you become a Jesus follower, your world and your life is no longer doesn't have you at the center of it anymore. It's got Jesus at the center of it. And Jesus, what Jesus is trying to do when he gets into different aspects of your life is his, his goal is to make you others focused. His goal is to make you others focused in your relationships, in the way that you engage in your workplace, in the way that you, um, you know, treat your, your friends at school, or the way that you treat your boyfriend or your girlfriend. And so Jesus is constantly trying to make us others focused. And Jesus says, hey, if you let me into any area of your life, I'm going to go to work and I'm going to make you others focused. And it is no different in the area of your finances. If you want to follow me and you let me into the area of your finances, Jesus says, then we're going to go to work about making your finances others first finances. Because you don't live for yourself anymore if you're a Jesus follower. Your life is not focused and centered upon you. And then Jesus, you know, because I don't know if there's any part of you that kind of resists that. There's definitely a part of me that resists that. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I don't know how I feel about this. But Jesus actually says these words himself. He said, for the Son of Man, which is like a little reference title that he would use to talk about himself. He said, for the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Jesus is kind of saying, hey, I did for the whole world what I'm asking you to do for a small group of people. Jesus is saying, I'm not asking you to do anything that, you, that I wouldn't do myself. And then Jesus went and put on the greatest display of love the world has ever seen by giving up his life on a cross, by serving the world, by giving up his life. And then he says, and if you want to follow me, then your role is to do the same. And so if you're a Jesus follower, here, here becomes the question. How do you make your finances others' first finances? How do you do that? How do you make your finances others' first finances? Well, um, you know that we like to be really, really practical here at Beyond. So here's the four Monday for this week. I want you to prioritize your finances around give, save, and live in that order. Here's how you make your finances others' first finances. Is what you need to do is you just need to simply... Whoops. You need to rearrange the jars of your life. You need to move them around so they're in this order. Give, save, and live. And here's, here's now what I want you to do with your finances. Again, 
only if you're a Jesus follower. Here's what I want you to do. Is everything that comes in, and whether you get paid like weekly or fortnightly or at the end of the month, here's what I want you to do. I want you to pick a percentage. I want you to pick a percentage, and here's why I want you to pick a percentage that, that you're going to give away. Because I want you, when you look at your finances, say, hey, what difference can I make in the world? What difference can I make in the lives of others before I look inward to myself, before I start to think about my needs? What difference can I make in the lives of others in the world? And then I want you to give towards that. And here's how I want you to give. I just want you to pick a percentage of your income. Pick a percentage of your income. Don't start with less than 5%, right? Because you won't, you, you won't miss 5%. Make it, make it a little bit challenging. So start with, start with 5. You could go like 5 or 7 or 10 or 12, however you want. But, but just start with at least 5% and then make a decision to give it away to an organization or to a group of people that's making a difference in the world. And here's, here's if you're a Jesus follower, I think that every single Jesus follower should have a plan for how they plan to support their local church. Right? I just do. And here's why, right? Here's why. If you love your local church, if you're someone who's like, I love my local church, I love being a part of it, one of the reasons that you are able to love your local church is because somebody funded it. One of the reasons that you were able to love your local church is because somebody thought of you with their finances before you even thought of God or you, God, was even, God was even on your radar. Someone was thinking of you and someone was giving towards that. And so if you're a Jesus follower, I just think you should order your finances by picking a percentage and supporting your local church. And here, it's even easier, right? If you're a Jesus follower, um, well, if you're not, you can just take the cards. But if you're a Jesus follower, we printed these cards and we left them on, on your seats for you. And they kind of say, um, others focused and then um, like you focus and then others focused so you can remember. But then there's a QR code and the QR code will take you to the giving page on our website. And here's what, here's what I'd love for you to do. I'd love for you to go there, you know, now or during the week or later when you figure out what percentage you want to give. And then I'd love you to click on the Give Online button there. And then you can just automate your giving if you're a Jesus follower. Um, some of you, again, some of you, if you're already part of our community, you might give through like direct debit transfer. What I'd encourage you to do is switch over to the Give Online tab. Here's why. It's because at the end of every month, I get like an email that tells me, um, that tells me all the emails of people who have given that month. It doesn't give me the amount. I don't, I don't care about the amount. But I get a list of all the emails of people who have given that month. And then at the end of every month, I send out an email to all of the people who help financially support Beyond. And I share the way that your money is making a difference in the lives of our community. And so I, I would love you, I would love you to, um, to be able to jump on that if you're, if you're not already. So once you've picked a percentage that you want to give to, um, part of it to the local church and part of it away. And if you're not a Jesus follower, just pick an organization that's close to your heart. Then you pick a percentage that you want to save. You know, things, you know, maybe you're saving up for a car or, or a house or maybe an overseas holiday now that you can go overseas, whatever it might be. And then live on the rest. And you've still got enough to live on. You've still got enough to be happy. But now all of a sudden, your life and your finances reflect and others' first approach to finances. And so if you want to shift the focus away from, um, away from you and onto others, this is the way to do it, by giving, saving, and living. Now, I do have one final thing to say as we wrap up, <clears throat> because I, I, I always get challenged with messages like this, um, because on the one hand, I kind of want to challenge those of you who are Jesus followers, um, and you love the local church, but you don't fund the local church, to like get in the game and start funding it. But I also don't want to appear ungrateful to those of you who do fund it. 
Because there are so many, there are so many generous people in this room and there are so many generous people across our community who, um, who fund what we do, right? And, and I don't ever want to appear ungrateful because it's actually because of those of you who give generously that we're able to do things like the Griffin, um, the Griffin Easter Jam, that we're able to do things like the Griffin Community Carols, that we're actually able to rent this space, right? Because it costs money to rent this space, costs money to buy the chairs that you're sitting on, it costs money to buy the petitions at the back and costs money to put this whole thing on. It costs money to run our upstreet primary school environment. It costs money to run our um, infinity high school environment. And so I want to say thank you to those of you who, who, um, who already live this way, thank you so much. Your financial generosity makes all, all of those things, um, all of those things possible. And I just wanted to highlight one thing, right? Because I, I actually didn't have this in the message originally. And then I got a text at about eight o'clock on Friday night and I got this photo. And um, it's gonna come up on the, on the screen behind me. Again, it's not a great photo. Um, maybe just pull the sound down on that one. Um, it's, it's not a great photo, but this is the Infinity Youth this Friday night at Caboolture. This last Friday night just gone at Caboolture. There was 44 high schoolers and leaders in Infinity Youth. And when you give, for those, all of you who give, these are the things you fund. Here's what you need to know about grace, okay? And someone can correct me if I get this wrong, but I'm pretty sure I've got the data right. I think it's something like over 95% of Grace College Caboolture are unchurched or don't know anything about Jesus. I think I've got that right. I'll, I'll change it if it's not true, but I'm pretty sure that's right. These are 44 high schoolers that you are impacting and you are making a difference for, and they didn't know Jesus. They're not church youth. They don't know anything about Jesus. But because of your generosity, we're able to make a difference in their lives and let them know, hey, there are people who care about you. There are people who think about you during the week. There are people who miss you when you don't show up, and it is a big deal. And so you are, you are changing the lives of these young people. So for those of you who give, I just, I can't say thank you enough, but thank you, thank you, thank you for the way that you um, help fund and make possible what we, um, what we do. I'd, lo I'd love to pray for us as we wrap up. <clears throat> Jesus, it is, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really sometimes honestly kind of easy to, uh, to talk about, you know, forgiving other people, to talk about loving other people, particularly for those of us who are Jesus followers, because that's the stuff we're like, oh yeah, I can get better at that, I can get better at that, but when we start to talk about finances, well, that's, that's when it gets really tricky. And that's when it can kind of really hit close to home. And so, Jesus, I pray that for those um, Jesus followers in the room who this really hits home to, that, that this wouldn't be something they just kind of think about tonight. But this would be something that, that you, they go away, they reflect on, and they take a chance. They take a gamble, whether it's, whether it's just for a fortnight, whether it's for a month, whether it's just for three months. They just trial what it would look like to give save and live in a way. And Father, I just pray that you would begin to just show them the blessing and show them the benefit of what happens when, when we begin to open our hands. And Lord, I pray for us as a community that we would be a community that lives open-handed, that we would be a community that doesn't hold tight to our stuff, but we would continue to give it away. And Lord, I thank you for our, the people in our community who are modeling the way the people in our community who live just live so open-handedly and so generously, and because of their generosity, we're able to be in the room and we're able to um, put things into efforts like Infinity Youth and help change the lives of the next generation. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, once again, thanks so much for listening. And hey, if you live in the Griffin, Marumba Downs, North Lakes, or Moreton Bay region, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend environments. You can find out more by heading to our website, beyondchurch.com.au. You'll find directions, service times, and what you can expect, as well as information on our Upstreet Kids Club, which is our primary school-aged environment, and Infinity Youth, our high school-aged environment. That website, beyondchurch.com.au.